Well, I'm super excited to be here with you guys tonight. Tonight, we're going to close out our series on the Spirit of Truth, talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, specifically, we're going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit tonight. But I have kind of three movements uh, for our message tonight. First, I want to lay out how crucial the Spirit is to our life as believers. Right? Sometimes we get a picture of the Holy Spirit as the wide and or like wild and miraculous. And yes, um, but he also reaches into the mundane aspects of our life and helps us to live out the life that Christ has called us to. Second, I want to go into the fruits of the Spirit and talk about how uh, we should be looking at them as the maturity uh, that we have in Christ and the Holy Spirit helping us to grow in our maturity in Christ. And then third, and I'm really excited about this, is at the end of the service, we're going to give uh, an open call. And uh, I think it would be unfortunate if we got to the end of one of these series on especially the Holy Spirit, and we didn't give an opportunity for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm constantly surprised at how many in our generation have gone, uh, sometimes even years, and there's no shame to this, but this is a great invitation, sometimes even years within their Christian walk without having a, a baptism experience, an infilling, an, an overwhelming feeling uh, of the move of the Spirit, the, the power of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit, and uh, we're going to give you guys an opportunity for that tonight, so that's how we'll, we'll close out. Is that Okay. Good. <laughs> if you would have said no, I still would have done it anyway. <laughs> All right. Let's pray. Father, I thank you uh, for what you are already doing in our midst here tonight. God, we just pause right now and we just uh, we turn our, our spiritual senses on. Uh, we just want to be aware of you. Holy Spirit, we want, to, we want to see you at work in our midst. Jesus, we thank you for your completed work. Uh, we thank you that you said it was uh, better that you go away, that you could then send to us the, the helper, the paraclete, the comforter, the empowerer, the Holy Spirit. So we just invite you into this evening, God. We want to do this message with you. I pray uh, that these words will come out clear and concise, God. We're going to do a lot of work tonight, but I, I pray that you would uh, land the things on people's hearts where it needs to be landed uh, and, and just work this thing out. So, Father, we love you. We praise you. pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. So, the Spirit-filled life is the normal life of the believer. The spirit-filled life is the normal life of the believer. Some of you guys might go, I don't know if it's, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't seem so normal, uh, but I want to encourage you that the spirit-filled life is truly the normal life of the believer. There's a, a pastor named Dennis Rouse in his amazing book called 10 Qualities for Moving from a uh, Believer to a Disciple. He says this in his chapter on the Holy Spirit. He says, the greatest thing that we could tell unbelievers is the, the story of Christ. The greatest thing that we could tell believers is the story of the Spirit, right? The most important message for unbelievers is Christ. The most important message for believers is the Holy Spirit. And I hope tonight, for the first part, we're going to, you guys have your running shoes on because we're going to be running through some scripture. Uh, and I, I want to I lay out a foundation to where we actually see 
how far-reaching the Holy Spirit is looking to do in our life. Like Jesus himself says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, the Greek word there for nothing is no thing, nothing. It's, yeah, it's just what it means. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, sometimes we don't necessarily believe that. Sometimes we go, well, I've, you know, I've lived 35 years with doing plenty without, well, no. Because <laughs> anything that is actually worthwhile, you cannot do without Christ. And, and if you look at the context of what Christ is talking about in that, he's actually giving that, that picture. It's abide in me, my word abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Apart from me, you could do nothing, John 15. It's actually within multi-chapters of the last conversation that he has with his boys before he, he goes to the cross and then goes upstairs. <laughs> right? And in that conversation, it's primarily about the coming of the Spirit. All the things that he's calling them to do. He even says, you're going to go and do greater things than I. And that's because the Holy Spirit comes. He empowers us. Not just to do wild things, but to actually do all things. So I want to make this point. The Christian life does not work apart from the Holy Spirit at work in us. The Christian life does not work apart from the Holy Spirit at work in us. There's two movements uh, in our life that the, the Spirit works out as He's working the will of the Father out. These are two things that the Holy Spirit is always looking to do, and I don't have this up on a, a slide, so I want you guys to write this in your notes. First is, he's looking to make earth more like heaven. And sometimes it ends up in the, the crazy things. It's like, man, the dead are being raised. The sick are being healed. The lame are walking. Blind eyes are opening. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. The second part that he wants to do is he actually wants to make us look more like Jesus. He's looking to make earth more like heaven, and us more like Jesus. And that's where the, the fruits of the Spirit will come in uh, in a little bit. So I'm going to dive into some Scripture. We're going to be in three different areas of Scripture tonight. Uh, Galatians 5, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and then Romans 8. Amazing, amazing stuff. We're plucking some verses through each of these different areas, but I uh, I just encourage you to go and, and kind of live into uh, these scriptures for a while, and you'll start to see that the Holy Spirit is actually inviting us into a grand adventure with Him, a grand uh, uh, just movement with Him that starts to transform our life from the inside out. So Roman, or, uh, Galatians 5, 16 through 18. Paul's talking here. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit. Say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. <laughs> you could take the next month and just live into that phrase and there will be so much freedom for you. Yes. When we try to do it on our own, it doesn't work. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And you'll understand the law context as you read through uh, the different areas that I was, I was just laying out. I'm, I'm mainly parking on the walking by the Spirit tonight. 
and how this is to, to build up and actually produce fruit at the end of our branches. So Paul is clearly saying here that if we try and do it on our own, if we try and do this whole Christian life on our own, we will run into a wall very quickly. <laughs> because trying to do it on our own is trying to do it by what we would call the flesh in the church. And doing it by the flesh is actually setting us up against the Spirit. So when we try and do this life on our own, we are actually getting in the way of the moves of the Spirit. That's actually good news. <laughs> that means that when we do it by the Spirit, we get out of the way of the Spirit, and He's actually able to do what we've been longing for Him to do. How many of you guys have been longing for Him to do something in your life for a long time? So we're going to come back to Galatians 5 in a moment, but I want to jump over to Romans 8 because Paul's doing much the same movement here. In fact, it'll sound very similar, except Paul in Romans 8 has actually given us some of the, the know-how of how to do this. So in Romans 8, 5 through 8, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on what? Things, things of the Spirit. He's actually equipping us to be able to do that. How do we walk with the Spirit? We set our mind to the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not submit to God's law. And when he's talking about law there, he's actually talking about uh, God's love, the agape law written on the tablets of our heart. We actually oppose that when we're trying to, to do things based off of the flesh in a selfish way. So for the mind that is set on the flesh, it is hostile towards God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It's not, the, it's not the movement of the Spirit to submit to God's law. It's the movement, or excuse me, false. Not the movement of the flesh to submit to God's law. It's the movement of the Spirit to submit to God's law. So those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And you can see the picture that, that Paul's laying out here is to, to move in the flesh and to set the mind on things of the flesh, selfishness, selfish gain, all of these movements, actually leads to death. But to set our minds on the Spirit and to walk in step with the Spirit starts to bring life. And Jesus would say, life to the fullest. The Christian life does not work without the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work when we're trying to do it on our own. He continues on reiterating the life that we have in the Spirit in Romans 8, 13 through 15. He says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, here again, flesh, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If you do not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by whom which we cry, Abba, Father. This is gloriously good news. This is the, the gift that Christ has sent. He, Christ says, it's better that I go so that I could send to you my spirit. And then you could cry out, Abba, Father. You could walk in life in peace. You can move in the ways that I have called you to move. But it takes putting off the old man. Right here in Romans 8, we see two movements. Paul's given us two different movements of how we can walk with the Spirit. One is setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. We could even say, hear that word in terminology, we could be mindful of the Spirit as we go about our day. 
What does it look like to be mindful of the Spirit as we go about our day? That'd be a really great question to, to set before us. What would it look like to be mindful of the Spirit as we go about the day? But then the other movement that he says is actually putting off the old self. In, in Colossians 3, it says, Crucify the old nature, the sinful nature, the deeds of the flesh, the selfishness that has been running our life for so long, where we tried to protect ourselves, where we tried to hide ourselves, where we tried to be our own God. Put all that to death. He's saying, because guess what? <laughs> if you don't put that to death, it will put you to death. That just came to me, you know? That sounded really good. <laughs> but, but seriously, if we don't put our flesh to death, it will kill us. If we don't crucify it, it will crucify us. But if we learn to walk according to the Spirit by putting off the old man, taking on the new man, again Colossians 3, it's another one to live into for a while, we start to see where our life is transformed. Now that's a process, and we're going to see that as we look at the fruit of the Spirit. But it's a, it's a process that the Holy Spirit is inviting us into. It's a process that's better started today than putting off for another time. Right? You guys following? So to recap, trying to do life on our own leads to death. It also sets itself up against the Spirit. But walking in the Spirit actually keeps us from satisfying the desires of the flesh. Helps us to put to death the old ways. To take on the new ways through discipleship, discipline, and partnership with Him. Now, what are the old ways? What are the walking by the flesh, right? Paul already anticipates that we're going to ask this question. So going back to Galatians 5, he continues on in 19 through 21. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, other translations say, will not possess the kingdom of God, and I actually think that that's a more helpful term here, right? Would not possess the kingdom of God. Because living by the flesh, apart from the Spirit, doesn't disqualify us from the kingdom of God, because we didn't qualify us for the kingdom of God in the first place, <laughs> That was the work of Christ. But it does make us incompatible with the kingdom of God. Living by the flesh makes us incompatible for the kingdom of God. We wouldn't be able to possess it, not because he doesn't want to give it to us, but because it's just incongruent. If I'm living in selfishness, do you think that that's going to work very well with self-giving love? No, that means that I would go in and start using the kingdom to my benefit versus actually submitting to the nature of the kingdom, which is self-giving love. We call that agape, the God love. Does that make sense? When, when Paul and Jesus are talking about the kingdom and inheriting the kingdom, sometimes we think of it as, oh, you're, you're not going to be able to go to heaven it's not what they're talking about. They're talking about an actual reality, the kingdom of God. Jesus says, is at hand. But they're saying, you will not actually be congruent with in order to possess and actually step into and partner with. Because by living in the flesh, you have actually set yourself up against, and now you're going to be a rival kingdom against this kingdom. 
And again, we might be trying to do the Christian thing, but we might actually be setting ourselves up as a rival kingdom because we're doing it on our own. We're doing it by the flesh. We're doing it for selfish gain. When I, when I came into Christianity for the first couple of years, uh, I came out of like sales background, right? And self-help was a big deal on that. So I kind of came into Christianity like it was one big self-help game. And I ended up self-harming more than self-helping. I actually messed my life up far more than I actually, like, I, I read it in scripture and I go, you promised me all these things, but this is what my life looks like. And finally I had a wake-up call where the Holy Spirit said, you haven't been doing this with me. Will you change the way you go about it? You're actually supposed to be crucifying the very nature that you're walking in. This make sense? Sometimes, like, this is a different type of move of the Spirit. Typically, when we talk about moves of the Spirit, we're talking about the, you know, the, the falling down and all these things. And, and very much so. We are about the moves of the Spirit here. We want to continue to earnestly desire the moves of the Spirit, but we also want to be earnest pursuers of the life in the Spirit. And this is where he continues on. He gets to Galatians 5.22, and this is where we get to the, the fruits of the Spirit. He says, and this is right after he gets done listing off all these things that are works of the flesh. He goes, but the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against which there is no law. What he's painting a picture here is the new kind of life. The things that the fruits are, if you start thinking about them through this lens, is the fruits are actually the congruence with the kingdom. In fact, if the, if the fruits are from the Spirit, then the fruits are from the kingdom. And if we start bearing the fruits in our life, guess what? <laughs> you are in congruence with the kingdom. And, and when we hear that eternal kingdom, it's, again, it's not the heaven that we go off to someday. It actually starts here and now. Again, Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is, what? At hand. That means we start walking on the streets of gold today. <laughs> we don't wait for some day, uh, although we are waiting for some day, right? There is a time where Christ will come back and establish his kingdom in its fullness. But in the meantime, we are invited into partnering with him and establishing it in whatever ways we can in this moment, right? Again, the Holy Spirit is looking to make earth more like heaven, and to make us more like Jesus. Now, part of, part of my heartbeat for tonight is, is kind of pastoral and shepherding in a way of going, serving with, with our generation for the last 10 years. I've watched as sometimes the gifts of the Spirit end up being kind of the, the sexy bunch of things from the, the Holy Spirit. It's like, whoa, yeah, man, when I'm prophesying and when people are getting healed and all these things are easily celebrated. But the fruits of the Spirit, we don't always know what to do with those. We just go, yeah, I want that. Holy Spirit, you do that. <laughs> but Paul uses fruit here for a very specific reason. Right? There's a gift of the Spirit that God gives freely. In fact, Romans says that the gifts of God are without repentance. 
without repentance. That means that I heard a story from Bill Johnson one time where they were out doing some street evangelism, praying over individuals, healing the sick, and they were walking, and, and Bill's brother was out leading a group. And at the corner of the, the street, he starts like calling up all the, the people, uh, and, and there's a guy who wasn't actually part of the group. He was just kind of walking on the street. But he just responds. He, he's like, hey, come on, come on, get in here. <laughs> so the guy walks in, and he sends him out with, in twos, so this guy's like, okay. <laughs> he just like, he starts walking with the guy. And, and the person that he's paired up with is like, they come up against somebody who, I don't remember the story exactly, somebody who's blind or, or some sort of miraculous. Uh, and the guy that he's partnered up with says, hey, you pray over him, okay? And he had seen a couple other times, right, as he was going with the group. So this guy's not even a believer, but he, he like lays hands on the guy and just prays. And all of a sudden, you know, if he was blind, his eyes open. <laughs> Like, it, it, there was no repentance. The gifts of God are without repentance. That's amazing. That's awesome. The Holy Spirit will use whatever means he can to establish the kingdom of God on earth. But we are the means that he uses to establish the kingdom of God in us. So he uses fruit here in a very specific way. Fruit is an anticipated byproduct of a process of health and growth. Fruit is an anticipated byproduct of a process of health and growth. Fruit is cultivated. It requires something of us. It is a partnership with the Spirit. In fact, fruit, we can almost say, is the reward that we get in this lifetime of walking with the Spirit. The fruit is actually much of the kingdom that we get to experience and taste and see that the Lord is good in this lifetime as we learn the rhythms of setting our minds towards the things of the Spirit and putting off the old ways as we walk with the Spirit. But so often we sit there and we go, Holy Spirit, you do it. I want more joy. God, would you give me more joy? Would you give me more peace? And he's going, would you partner with me to cultivate it? Would you partner with me to cultivate it. Yeah. And again, like I said, uh, I've, we had a, a street evangelism team years ago, and I was out one night, and uh, there's a, a young man, and, and I mean no disrespect to this young guy, but this is kind of some of the heartbeat that I, I sometimes see picked up when we, we start talking about, and even seeing the miraculous. And again, we want the miraculous. We want Holy Spirit to be able to move in whatever way He wants to move. But I was walking out uh, down uh, Monroe with this guy downtown, and, and I was just talking about like, man, how, how amazing is it that we get to be out here and we just get to share the love of Christ with people. Like, this is amazing. And, and the guy starts going, Nick, I've, I've seen things, you know? And, like, that's always an interesting <laughs> start to the, the I've seen things. You know, I've seen demons leave people's body, you know? And I go, well, praise the Lord. That's awesome. He goes, so I can't settle for, you know, just somebody giving their life to Christ. Like, we need to see the kingdom show up. And I was like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> hold on. No, 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 he missed it. <laughs> In fact, the demons leaving is for the <laughs> giving the life to Christ. Like, that is miraculous. Right? Sometimes we, we elevate the gifts of the Spirit in such a way that we, we miss what they're actually geared towards. Yeah. 
And, and then there's the other side of things. And I, I've unfortunately seen this as well to where uh, Christian leaders, individuals who, who are moving in mighty moves of God have giant moral failures because they've neglected the finer things, Paul calls them, of cultivating the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. So all of a sudden, in their ministry, they have these crazy moves of God, but they have no undergirding, no foundation of the the fruits of the Spirit. So as this continues to climb, so does their head. And I I say that with absolute grief that that happens and absolute love for the individuals because they're still very much my friends. But pastorally, I go, how do we help our generation to get the balance right? To go, sometimes the, the, the bright and shiny uh, is actually the, the lesser than the mundane work that the Spirit's trying to do on us at a day-to-day basis. Right? We want the one. We also want the other. So a couple things here. Gifts do not equate maturity. Lasting fruit is the sign of maturity. Gifts do not equal maturity. Lasting fruit is the sign of maturity. Jesus in in Matthew 7, he's closing out the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, beware of the false teachers. Beware of the false prophets. Beware of those who go about in sheep's clothing but are actually wolves. He says, you will know them by their fruit. Hmm. Jesus also in Matthew 7, immediately after that, he says, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And he gives this picture of of disciples who come up to him and they go, Lord, did we not heal the sick? Did we not raise the dead? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And he says, depart from me, for I never knew you. Again, the the gifts of God are without repentance, and Christ is drawing us, inviting us. The Holy Spirit is drawing us, inviting us into the deeper wells of actual life transformation. So that way, as the gifts come, we steward them well. And that's the other aspect that I want to say. Gifts are stewarded. Fruit is something to be cultivated. Gifts are something to be stewarded. Matthew 10, 8, Jesus sends the disciples out and he says, freely you have received, freely give. Gifts are to be stewarded. They're not for us. When God gives you a gift of prophecy, it's not, oh, I got a gift of prophecy. No, it's for the edification of the body. When he gives you the gift of healing, it's not like, oh, look at me, healing hands. No, it's for those who need healing. Freely you've received, freely give. You are just a steward. But fruit is something to be cultivated. Paul says in Philippians 2, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Then he says, for it is God who is at work in you. (laughs) So the interesting thing there is as we are cultivating, we also find his movement doing the heavy work, right? Like Samuel, nine months old, my son, I pick him up and I walk with him, right? And he moves his legs and he's like really wobbly. He's walking. But who's doing the work? But if he didn't do the work, 
It wouldn't be called walking. It'd be called dragging, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> and there are times where the Lord might drag us, but he's looking for us to walk with him. Fruit is cultivated. And as we talk in our Access community about spiritual disciplines, that's what we're talking about. Spiritual disciplines aren't our way to earn ourselves into the kingdom. It's not our way to earn ourselves into God's love. It's actually our way of cultivating uh, movements with Christ, with the Holy Spirit. It's actually just simply containers in which we walk forward. When I'm, when I'm fasting, I'm not twisting God's arm in order for him to, okay, okay, I'll do that for you. No. I'm clearing space to be able to walk with the Spirit, to hear what he has to say, and to abide in him. Let his word abide in me. It would dwell in me richly. Silence and solitude isn't just to, to get some time away. <laughs> no, it's to get time away from the noise of the world to be able to pick up on the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And these are, are things I don't, I, I, unfortunately, I don't have time to, to teach on the the spiritual disciplines tonight, but I encourage you to go, to go hunt them out. What might a spiritual discipline be? It starts to, starts to frame our, our morning scripture time, our evening scripture time, right? Early in the morning will I rise to seek thee. starts to frame it in a completely new way. Now it's not something that I have to do, but it's something that I'm doing to cultivate in walking with the Spirit across the pages of His Scripture, of His Word. He reveals to me the person of Christ. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. That's the only way we could go into this book. We talked about that before. Is this stuff making sense? My heartbeat is is constantly to, to try and get us to realize that the Christian life reaches far into the recesses of the mundane. Our students this last week had an assignment of what does it look like to brush your teeth to the glory of God? And as silly as it sounds... It's what Paul's talking about. Do all things to the glory of God. We cannot do that without the Spirit. Because then we are doing all things to the glory of us. (laughs) All right. Let me do a quick run-through of of just a couple scriptures, and then I'm going to set us up for... um, for going into our, our ministry time at the end here. Just in case, I, sometimes I, I do like to, what's the, what does the expression even mean, beat a dead horse? I don't even know. That's kind of cruel. So I won't beat a dead horse, but I'm going to beat this point to, <laughs> to death. <laughs> Jeez, I know, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Terrible expression. All right. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Realize 1 Corinthians 13 comes after, in case you didn't know this, 1 Corinthians 12, which is where we've seen the, uh, the gifts of the Spirit. Paul's talking again. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, I have all the faith so as to remove mountains, I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10, we're jumping forward just a little bit. Love never ends. 
As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For when we, uh, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Some people link this when the perfect comes to the canonization of Scripture. I don't think that that's what this means at all. This is <laughs> certainly, if you look at the movement that Paul is talking about, he's talking about the coming of the kingdom. The establishment of the kingdom in Christ's second coming, when he reestablishes and fully establishes, you realize if the kingdom is fully established, prophecy is no longer needed. Gifts of tongues is no longer, all the different gifts of the Spirit are no longer needed because, wow, we are living in the kingdom at hand. But the thing that does last is the fruits of the Spirit. The thing that does last is who you become. Dallas Willard says, we are training for reigning, right? We are training for reigning. We're going to reign with Christ in the kingdom, but today is the training day. It's not when we get there. Like, we're doing the training now. Dallas says, the main thing that God gets out of your life is not the achievements that you accomplish. It is the person that you become. Again, that's the, the character and virtue of the spirits dwelling in us. And then 1 Corinthians 14.1, Paul says, Earnestly pursue love, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. This is not to downplay the spiritual gifts at all. <laughs> I want them just as much as you do. He says, earnestly desire. That desire there is actually the word used for lust, like lust after the gifts. But they're gifts. They're not things that we work towards. The thing that we work towards is the fruit of the Spirit, love, which he labels here, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Earnestly pursue those. Desire the ones. Pursue the other. All right. Does that feel like a good place to, to kind of close that out? Like I said, I was kind of beating that point to, to, to life, actually, not to death. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I encourage you guys to, to live into some of those passages. Go back through and, and search these things out, and, uh, and I think you'll see that there's actually far more. I, I only got 30 minutes to, to be able to go through this. There's far more in there than I was able to even work out tonight with us. Uh, but it's a beautiful invitation that the Spirit says, hey, why are you trying to do anything in your life apart from me? The Christian life makes absolutely no sense. It does not work apart from the Holy Spirit at work in us. So, um, Aiden, if you could come up and, and jump on keys. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit for a moment. And like I said, I want to give us some space tonight. Uh, and I truly believe that this is the night for some of you guys. Some of you guys go, oh, wow, this is eye-opening for me. I thought I was supposed to do all those things on my own. Like, I thought I was supposed to take this and just really try and work it into my life. But tonight's the night. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is the night. Paul, in, in Acts 19, is, is in Ephesus, and he asks the believers there. He says, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit since you've believed? Their response is, we didn't even know that there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. We were baptized in water, in the, the, the baptism of repentance. And Paul invites them and then lays hands on them. 
and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now in that context, and in the context of Acts 2, uh, along with the baptism of the Holy Spirit came speaking in tongues. Some of you guys go, that's a little new for me. <laughs> and that's actually my story at Res. Uh, the first time I, I ever came, um, I came from a Baptist background. We did not talk about Holy Spirit or speaking in tongues. <laughs> uh, so when we got to Pentecost Sunday and Pastor Dwayne starts talking about speaking in tongues, I'd been going here for like four months. And all of a sudden, I'm like, tongues? What the heck is that? I was like, this place is a cult. I knew it, and I took off. <laughs> I'm not lying. Five years. <laughs> but then as I started going into Scripture, I started realizing, wait a second, uh, it's biblical. Not only is it biblical, it's edifying. Not only is it edifying, it's something that God wants to give me. And I started realizing, wow, if God wants to give me something, like, I would be a fool to not receive it. Now, that's not calling you a fool. <laughs> I'm talking about my own personal journey with the Lord. That's not calling you a fool. If you're still weirded out by, by speaking in tongues, that's okay. That's not the goal for tonight. The goal is for you to have an infilling of the Holy Spirit. An immersion, baptizo, means immerse. Now, Paul laid on hands. Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. We're going to have uh, Pastor Jared, myself, and Kimmy. We're going to be up front here in a moment. And we're going to lay hands on you. Uh, I don't plan on breathing on you, but I can't speak for them. I do have gum just in case the Spirit leads me. <laughs> um, but we also have some anointing oil. And I just want to kind of talk about the, the significance of that. Throughout church history and also in Scripture, oil has always been the picture of the Holy Spirit. When, when we call Jesus the Christ, we mean the Messiah. Messiah actually means smeared one, the anointed one, the chosen one, set apart. And that's what the oil does. It, it actually, it's a signifier of you are being set apart. Because how, how many other times do you go, unless you work at like a, a restaurant and oil splattering, like nobody's setting you apart with oil. It only happens in this context. It's a, a sanctification, a setting apart. Uh, but it's also a signifier of the spirit that comes upon us. Much like if you've been water baptized, the water signified your baptism into the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The oil signifies your baptism into the power, the presence, the comfort, the moves of the spirit. And now, if you come up for prayer, and I hope that you will, as you go forward into this next week, I want to also raise your expectation. Because when the Spirit baptizes, He starts to reveal Himself in new ways. You actually get eyes to see. You get ears to hear. You might start to, to follow the promptings of the Spirit in a whole new way. You might start to recognize that he's, He is then laying gifts on your life that you could then share with others. You might start to think, that person's in a wheelchair for whatever reason, I really feel like I'm supposed to go up and pray over them. Do it. That's the move of the Spirit. Does that make sense? And as we, as we continue to walk forward, His infilling helps us to not satisfy the desires of the flesh, but actually continue pursuing deeper and deeper and deeper the moves of Him. And this is a lifelong journey. Your life isn't going to be, all of a sudden, it's completely different tomorrow. No but you're going to step into the journey of walking with him and him walking in you and through you and out of you. Does that make sense? So I'm just going to, I'm going to pray. In part of my prayer, I just, I want to pray this scripture. And this is Jesus' words. And, and he gives this picture. 
And team, if you guys want to come up, uh, he gives this picture of, of a father giving to his children. But I'll start before. We tend to separate these two verses, but I'm just going to pray this. Jesus says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We're here tonight to partner with you in asking him. Uh, I'm going to invite anybody who wants to uh, come up to come up. And if you're, you're sitting there, one, if you've already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you go, I have received that, then I want you to intercede for those who are coming up here and just be listening. And I, I actually open up the space. If you feel like you have a word for somebody, feel free to go and release that. Uh, and then... If you're going, I don't know <laughs> about all this, that's okay. Uh, maybe somebody will come up and give you a word. I don't know. Uh, but you're also in a safe place, and, uh, and we will dismiss you here in a little bit. So uh, if that is, is you, if you haven't received the baptism since you first believed.